Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Blaine and Mickey. Brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. More ways to win. With Blaine Bishop and Mickey Ryan on 104.5 The Zone. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. We will get to Titans news, but we do have breaking news out of Knoxville. Robert? What? Do you want to hit the breaking news sounder because... uh, If not, I got you. You ready? The BB, BNS, the Blaine Bishop breaking news. Sounder, uh, when we started the show, I, I consulted the uh, show physician, Blaine Bishop, by the way, director of content, oh. uh, our NFL expert, our uh, groin expert because of his extensive knowledge of his own groin and others. Uh, and, from, and knees and, and ankles knees, and, you and, name it. and shoulder and forearms. And, torn oh, ACLs. Oh, oh, no, no, I didn't tear my ACL or Achilles, but, but, but I rec- am an expert at it. You recognized one. And I called that he... He tore his ACL. Is that true? Breaking news from the University of Tennessee. Point guard Zakai Ziegler suffered a torn ACL in his left knee during Tuesday night's win over Arkansas. The injury ends the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year semifinalist season. Dang. Who who reported that? The University of Tennessee themselves. Yeah, they put it out. The Tennessee basketball family joins all of all nation lifting up Zakai with love and support. We know beyond all doubt that Zakai will use this challenge to author an inspiring comeback story. He'll have our boundless backing every step of the way. Mm. I cannot tell you wow. how much I hate to see this for anybody. No doubt about it. Yeah, I was scared, but I was pretty sure his body language leaving the court really solidified it to me. I said, ooh, I think he did, and I'm hoping not. And then, yep, he did. That happened on the football field. Whenever yeah, that happens, you know your knee tweaks inside. Kakak. You have done something pretty major. He's hoping it's like he sprained his MCL. Yeah. But uh, I didn't think so. Yeah. I didn't. It, it was pretty clear for me. It's funny. You watch a lot of basketball, and we were talking about this earlier. And guys guys do things to their ankles. And he was hopping along the baseline, trying not to go out of bounds. And sometimes you'll see a guy, and it, you'll, you'll, you'll twist your ankle. You know, all your, you'll land on the side of your foot. You see stuff like that a lot in basketball. But I remember watching... Ziegler's injury last night, I kind of felt like you. It took me back to, you know, for instance, Kyler Murray, who's one of the more recent guys that did it in mm-hmm. football. As soon as he did it, you knew. You said, oh gosh, he just he tore his ACL. ACL. Yeah. You're going to see what it looks like. And like you said, you think, man, so what, what's I've seen too many of them? I've seen guys run off the football field. Yeah, my my, my partner in crime, Mark Robb. He said, this before we got here. People have no idea how good Mark Robb was before that. Ooh. Oh, he was. Well, I was a youngster. He was, you told me he could cover a lot of ground. Oh, yeah. He, he used to say, in the post, I got sideline to sideline. <laughs> and he had sideline to sideline. I mean, he was getting picks every game. I was like, whoa. Tore that ACL, came back the next year, tore the patella tendon oh, on the no. other, no, the other knee. Still was really good, but he wasn't like that all pro dude. Like, mm-mm, like. He was, yeah, he about to be on that tracker. 
the Hall of Fame, man. If he would have kept that up about f- three more years like that. I'm like, dang, this dude making plays every game. I got to step my game up. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, so it was. It can affect you, and he still was really good after that, but he could never really recapture the way he dominated games and making plays every game. Yeah. So every time I see Byard, you know, making an interception, I always kind of start, oh, dang, there you go. And then he's kept healthy. You know, he's never. And so then it just continues mm-hmm. on and on and on. So, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, man, dang. Zig, man, wow. So now they have to move forward. And, you know, we had Jimmy Himes on, and he, he really felt like, you know, they had a nice little energy after that game, but it's going to affect him once the SEC and the NCAA tournament uh, really. And he said it'll affect him in, the, you know, his last, you know, game, games uh, here uh, coming up, uh, in particular Auburn. They got to go to Auburn, which will be hard. There was a rock fight when they beat Auburn at home. Yeah, it was what forty nine or forty six in that game too. He got ooh about some calls at the end there. Lack of call at the end. Oh no, yeah, yeah, the three point shot. <laughs> oh. The lack of call at the end, where there was some contact, but there was no call. Uh, people who say, "Okay, swallow the whistle at the end." Well, the whistle got swallowed. Um, and Pearl was hot about that, but we were trying to figure this out earlier. I was, I, I was thinking, okay, what's the hole in this deal? Schedule-wise, because they have a two-game lead over two teams. One of them is Missouri for the fourth seed. And Himes cleared it up. He said, well, Missouri's got two games left. Tennessee only has one. Mm, so if they tie, Missouri wins Missouri the gets the tiebreaker. Dang. So it's like, dang, dang. man, you need to go to Auburn and win. Uh, you got to do it without Zekai Ziegler. An adjusting, tough atmosphere. It's going to be a good one. I'm going to be all in on that game for sure. I'm going to work my schedule around that. Yeah, that's uh, coming up on Saturday. Of course, that game will be on the zone like they all are. Uh, I'm trying to see real quick who Missouri has got left. Missouri plays tonight. I know that. Uh, Missouri has... Sorry, this is good radio. Me just reading it. They have to go to LSU tonight. That's tonight at at, uh, Mm 8 o'clock on SEC Network. I know you're... Not a super late stay upper, but that one may have your attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll at least get the first half. Missouri and LSU. <laughs> but, I mean, Missouri's twenty one and eight. Man, that's 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 a good team. Man, they uh, can shoot the lights out too. They host. Ah, uh, boy, if you're if you're a Tennessee fan, who they host? They host Ole Miss in the final game of the year. Just fired Kermit. And by oh, the way, I, I hate hearing that down. for Kermit. Uh, uh, Ole Miss. They got Ole Miss at home at two thirty. So 8 o'clock tonight, Missouri at LSU. If you're a Tennessee fan, you probably should be intently watching this. That'll be a nightmare if they don't get the double bye. That'll be a little disappointing for me. Oh, man. Double bye gives you a couple more days to kind of work out your situation, practice through it. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, but watch this. I can still spin it positively. Well, at least we got to play and we'll be making adjustments on the fly in game. On how we're going to deal with this, so we get ready for the NCAA tournament. Okay, I'll ask you this because it's a different. Because situation. practice is practice, but game is different. game. This is different because they don't have to win the SEC tournament to go on. They don't. They don't have to win it. They can be one and done and just start packing their bags. In football, I know you're not always crazy about the bye week. Do you mm-hmm. like the double bye in basketball though? Just because ultimately, again. They don't have to go and win anything for their next destination. Do you like the double? You know what I'm saying? Right. No, 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 no. I, 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 yeah, I, I do not like the double buy. Okay. I do like a buy, <laughs> not the double buy. Okay. You know, basketball is different. Is about rhythm, uh, standing rhythm, especially if you, you got some good stuff going on now. If you, you know, have lost a couple in a row, uh, maybe, you know, having a double buy 
may help you get everything together like them dealing with an, an injured player, uh, their elite, you know, starting point guard. So maybe that could help them out to kind of reshuffle and figure out what they need to do, especially after these next, you know, this last game here. So, uh, it just depends on what situation you're on. But basketball is all about, that's why they play so many games weekly. Mm. It's because it was about rhythm and flow and you keep thinking every other game they could play, you know, every other day. I mean, so yeah, I don't know. This situation here, I would assume double by helps them. Mm. Yeah, I would say so. Well, With the injury to Ziegler. Tennessee fans, uh, you need Mizzou to do that. Uh, LSU, rather, to do that work against Mizzou tonight. All right, we, we will get to the Tim Kelly audio. I promise we'll play that in the last segment of the show. But let's get our guy, and we can ask about the situation next. Jordan DeJani, CBS Sports, NFL coverage. Uh, big guest for us every week, and it is time for him next on Blaine and Mickey. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone, hanging out on a Wednesday. Hour number two of the Wednesday show. So we're, like, running downhill for the rest of the week. So why don't we spend part of this running downhill time with our man Jordan DeJani. Oh, my favorite guy. CBS Sports. JD, it's Combine Week, man. You ready to talk about hand sizes and stuff? Mm-mm. My friends, what's going on? It is Combine Week. And funny enough, this is kind of when I finally get to start my draft prep because we've been so busy with free agency and coming oh, out with interesting okay. columns on CBSSports.com. Now I'm kind of half ready to sit down and talk about some of these prospects and examine the Combine. I mean, the Combine is a lot of fun, right? We get to talk about hand sizes, like you said. We get to talk about 40 times three cone drills, bench press, all that kind of stuff. But we need to be careful because I think a lot of people are prone to make mistakes by falling too much in love with some of these combine numbers. But regardless, (laughs) it's always fun to see these guys work out. Think about this. When Levis and Richardson throw... What what that's people are going to lose their minds like they've never seen tape of these guys. Levis and Richardson are going to take this combine and just flip it over and dump everything out on its head because both of those guys have cannons. And who knows what Richardson will even run or Levis for that matter because they're both super athletic. Mm. All the tape watching in the world. I mean, we're all SEC people. We saw what happened last year. None of that's going to matter when those guys work out. Yeah, I got to say, the quarterback position in particular is probably the big headline of the combine, in my opinion, because after what was a lackluster class last offseason, we kind of get these intriguing signal callers here on the ground in Indy and get to see them throw the ball around and run the 40, like you mentioned. And, man, I think we could spend three hours talking about Anthony Richardson and how polarizing of a prospect he is. But let me say this. You hit the nail on the head. I think that Anthony Richardson has a potential to completely take over the combine because when he's just out there in shorts throwing on, you know, throwing against air, I mean, he possesses speed. He can throw the ball a country mile. It feels like the combine was built for Anthony Richardson. <laughs> we've already seen, I mean, man, we've already seen crazy line movement when it comes to his odds to be selected number one overall. So if we see another huge boost in his stock from what happens this week, then we're going to have a lot of interesting conversations to partake, to partake in over the next couple of weeks. Well, J.D., to add to that, what assuming what you just said will happen, how do you think you would rank the quarterbacks, I guess, the top four or five guys projecting what they will after this week is over? Yeah, that's a great question because I guess you really do have to take subjectivity into it. I mean, my top two are Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. And to be honest with you guys, 
I think I'm kind of stuck with that. I'm going to, I'm going to keep Bryce Young, my QB one and CJ Stroud, my QB two. Those are the two guys who I'm the most comfortable with. And then there are the other two wild cards. We already brought up Will Levis. He's a guy that I've told you guys, I'm, I'm not exactly in love with. He definitely possesses a special kind of arm talent, but mm. there's a lot of quarterbacks who have possessed a special kind of arm talent who haven't exactly canned out in the NFL because they've been lacking in other categories. So mm. Will Levis is a name to keep an or a name to keep an eye on this week. I don't know if I'd have him at number three or number four. I think I'm going to put Anthony Richardson at number three because mm. I, I'm I'm with everybody. I'm in alignment with everyone in saying that this guy definitely has a special kind of potential. But I'm trying to hold, hold my horses on saying that he's going to develop into the next Cam Newton. He's, he's a very raw prospect. He's not polished. How many years will it take for him to reach that potential? And it's not a given that he will reach that potential either. So he's going to be a guy that's going to go very high, in my opinion. But at the same time, I don't know if I want to be that team that selects him in the top five. We always select Jordan DeJani in our top five for a segment every Wednesday in the 2 o'clock hour. Joins us now, CBS Sports. It's where uh, he and his colleagues are doing fantastic work. Mm. If one of those four guys, just projecting out, is available at 11, if you are the Titans, would you draft one of those guys? And I'm assuming that it's going to be uh, Levis and Richardson, I think, <laughs> Bryce and CJ Stroud may be gone, according to your ranking. Yeah, yeah. I wish we could speculate on Bryce Young and T.J. Stroud reaching number 11. Unfortunately, that's definitely not going to happen. Yeah, that's not going to happen. But, but, yeah, I mean, it's a good question when it comes to Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, and that's really where you have to have faith in Rand Carthon because, Mm. again, these guys are total wild cards in my opinion, and I don't think it's a bad question to wonder if one of these guys falls. I think that's almost possible at this point in time. But, man, you're putting... Let's see. Something different for dinner. Searching restaurants near me. Right here, ma'am. How can we help? Gee, same old, same old. Wait, we're, we're right here, ma'am. Our restaurant's just a few blocks from you. Why is she not seeing us? Back to the usual, I guess. Ma'am, can you not see us? Nope, they can't see you. Because you're buried deep in the list of local restaurants. You are invisible online. Introducing Cumulus Boost. Get a boost, get found, get on the map. Learn more at CumulusBoost.com. Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more a lot of draft capital into that quarterback and if that doesn't pan out then you're kind of behind the eight ball i'll say this though i was on another radio show in tennessee earlier this week and they were talking about potentially trading up on the board or even trading up to the number one overall pick and going all in on one of these quarterbacks i of course am against that but i will say this I'm kind of already falling in love with next year's quarterback class when Mm -hmm. it comes to Caleb Williams and Drake May. That may be the year where the Titans should go all in after the Ryan Tannehill era has ended and reach for a signal caller. But to answer your question, yes, I do think that the Titans are 100% going to kick the tires on taking someone like Will Levis or Anthony Richardson if they fall to 11. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm not sure that's where I'm going to put my money. Mm. Wow, man. Jordan DeJani, NFL writer for uh, CBS uh, Sports. So let's get to not the projected prospects. How about the NFL? 
any big name trades you think may potentially happen with a player or two in the National Football League? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not 100% sure when it comes to trading away capital. I know that there were some rumors surrounding uh, Tennessee legend T. Higgins earlier in the offseason, mm-hmm. but it sounded like those rumors were kind of unfounded. It was, it, was a, it was a good piece done by The Athletic talking about how maybe something like that could come to fruition if the Bengals decide to strike it rich with some of these historical extensions they're going to hand out to Joe Burrow and a couple of other players they're preparing for. I don't see T. Higgins being on the move. So, I don't, I don't think I have a guy under contract right now that could potentially be traded, but I will say this. There are some under-the-radar guys who it's already been reported that they're going to end up being released by their teams because they're either in the final year of their deal or they could be cap savings. Guys that will be released, at the, I think it was March 15th, is when the new league year kicks off. So guys like John Johnson was a player who I was kind of interested in. The Brown safety who came over from the Rams. He's going to end up being released. But I think the Browns have their phone lines ready to be answered if someone calls when it comes to striking a trade with them. So there are some under-the-radar players who are going to end up mm-hmm. being released um, that, that teams can kick the tires on if they choose to do so. Mm. What do you think about Derek Carr and, and down at the Combine and visiting? I think he's visiting with the Jets and probably some other teams as well. Just I, I haven't seen that in a while where a current NFL player of his stature is visiting with teams at the Combine. So... What, what, how do you take that? Like, do you think there's not a lot of uh, teams coming after him or not even not at the right salary? Him being at the combine is kind of interesting to me. What's your view on that? You know, it's kind of weird, right? I don't remember yeah. this ever happening. Why not? But I love that Derek Carr is kind of taking it upon himself and his representation taking it upon themselves uh-huh. to beat the storyline of the offseason, right? Move over Aaron Rodgers. Move over Tom Brady retiring. I'm holding my little press circle here and doing my interviews to see where my potential landing spot's going to be. And Derek Carr's done a good job of that. Now, when it comes to interest around him for the league, uh, I would say that there's plenty of interest when it comes to teams like the New York Jets, when it comes to the New Orleans Saints, and even with the Carolina Panthers, who have reportedly, uh, or, or they're about to complete an in-person interview with them. I think that he's doing all he can to be open when it comes to his quote-unquote recruiting from teams that are interested with him. And he's trying to do his due diligence when it comes to not only what kind of financial financial resources can I rake in, but what's going to be the best potential landing spot for me as well. That's what I take away from it. I think it's weird, but at the same time, I think that it may be kind of a power move by him um, just in terms of him doing his homework with where is the best place that I'm going to go because it's going to be a very important decision for him and really how we view his career when it's all said and done. Mm. One more question about quarterbacks, and that's Carson Wentz was released naturally. Is he now a backup in the league and maybe not get an opportunity until, you know, coming in as a backup and then, you know, maybe get a shot if someone gets injured and kind of rekindle his career. Where, where do you think Carson Wentz is at in his career? Man, it grinds my gears that Ron Rivera was the only person who follows the NFL that thought the Carson Wentz trade last offseason was going to work out. <laughs> it surprises no one that he was released uh, earlier this week. And let me say this. I-, I think that he is going to be a backup quarterback. And I think he's somewhat of an intriguing backup quarterback, mm-hmm. depending on what his price may be. But no, if I'm a team looking for a starting signal caller, and there are plenty of them out there, Carson Wentz is not going to be a name near the top of my list at this point. I think that he and I think that Marcus Mariota as well are going to be quarterbacks that are going to serve as backups in 2023. Mm. Jordan DeJaney, NFL writer for CBS Sports. What did you make of, we're, we're trying to come up with a, a name for 
Carthon and Vrabel together. So we're at Crable or Varthon, maybe just so we can just instead of mentioning each of their names. But anyway, Carthon and Vrabel specifically and singularly spoke yesterday along with Tim Kelly. Anything that they said, anything stand out to you or anything they didn't say along the way? So, Vraithon, Rabel, those could be a couple of yeah, things. Yeah, man. We're open to anything with. here, yes. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Yeah, they're, they're collaborating, so we got to collab their names. <laughs> he, he, he did have an interesting comment on uh, Ryan Tannehill, which I'm sure you guys have been discussing on your show over the past few hours. He said something like, uh, Tannehill is under contract, and I'm excited about moving forward with him and have a ton of respect for him. So, that whole statement about him being under contract is something that Vrabel and Rand Carthon have said before. But I think this is a statement that shows that it, it's a statement that we've heard over the past few weeks that show that Tannehill has maybe more stability in-house than we thought he did because it's fun to speculate if he was going to be released, if he was going to be extended, if, if he was going to play out his contract. So this statement itself tells us what us three have all been thinking and that Ryan Tannehill will indeed be the quarterback in 2023. But it's kind of funny because the way that it was said, like it wasn't the most glowing statement about Ryan Tannehill. It doesn't sound like they are absolutely thrilled about moving forward with him. But I do think that it's the smart play. And that's, that's something we've been talking about all off season. So it's good to have some kind of clarity. I won't say closure, but I will say clarity when it comes to where Ryan Tannehill stands with the Titans. As I've said all offseason, they are going to do their homework when it comes to this quarterback market, when it comes to the draft. But ultimately, I do believe it's going to be Ryan Tannehill under center in 2023. Uh, Tim Kelly said the offense wasn't predictable last year. Did, did, you, did you align with that statement, or, or was this just a, a guy who thought, well, I can't think of a creative way to say this, so I'll just say, no, we were not predictable at all. Predictable. That's a funny word. I mean, any team that was on the defensive side of the ball that was game planning for the Titans, the number one objective was always the same, and that's taking away Derrick Henry and making Ryan Tannehill throw the ball. And sometimes our offensive coaching staff did the work for them because they, they weren't effective when it came to drawing up passing plays or putting Ryan Tannehill in a lot of positions to succeed. So predictable is an interesting word to toss around, but I'll just say that the offense was not good. I don't care if it was predictable or not. It was not good. So I hope that Kelly, um, he obviously has his work cut out for him when it comes to trying to implement new schemes and new ideas for what this offense is going to look like. Uh, I'd rather hear more quotes about that when it comes to what's going to be different about this offense because something absolutely has to change if the Titans want to get back on top of the division. Hanging out with Jordan DeJani, CBS Sports, at Jordan DeJani on Twitter. You can follow him there. Well, J.D., man, uh, the darkness retreat is over. Where <laughs> does that leave Aaron? Freaking, I'm a MVP. Searching HVAC near here. Right here, ma'am. How can we help? Wow, nobody local? Huh. Wait, what? We are an HVAC company literally in your neighborhood. Why is she not seeing us? Just all the big chains. Well, it is what it is. What in the... Can you not see us? Nope, they can't see you. Because you're buried deep in the list of local HVAC providers. You are invisible online. Introducing Cumulus Boost. Get a boost, get found, get on the map. Learn more at CumulusBoost.com. 
The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. Rogers, Ed. Is he going to still be back at Green Bay? Is that what this is all about? Or or are they just sick of him and they're, they're done? So I'm glad you brought this up because I actually have a hot take concerning Aaron Rodgers. I think it's the media making this whole situation more dramatic than it actually is. The Packers haven't changed their mind on Rodgers. Their brass has repeated the same lines about his future and what they want to do moving forward every time they are asked. I mean, they would love for Rodgers to return, but at the same time, they do feel confident, probably more than ever, in Jordan Love if this is indeed it. If Aaron Rodgers is moving on to another team or retiring, they're going to go ahead and move forward with Jordan Love. I mean, we've seen very dramatic reports from both ends of the spectrum, right? We've seen reports coming from people saying that the Packers are absolutely done with Aaron Rodgers. They are ready to move on. And we've seen other reports saying that, yeah, it looks like Rodgers is heading back to Green Bay, which is something that I've been telling you guys all along. That's what I believe in my heart of hearts. So what Aaron Rodgers said is that a decision is coming sooner rather than later. That's something he's been saying for months now. Um, I don't think he said too much of note in that new podcast that dropped today. I don't know. I listened to 10 minutes and, and said to myself, Podcasts about meditating in darkness are not exactly up my alley, so I went ahead and turned on 104.5 The Zone instead. I think a decision is going to come soon. But, again, I do think that Aaron Rodgers is returning to Green Bay, and maybe the story isn't as dramatic as the media has been making it sound. Mm. Jordan DeZaney, NFL writer for CBS Sports. Uh, I guess the NFL uh, committee is kind of reviewing a a few things, and one of them, uh, I guess two different things, is uh, roughing the passer as well as the quarterback sneak being pushed by the other players. What are your thoughts on should they be uh, legal or not, or reviewable or not, and do you think they will pass or not? So, so for roughing the passer being reviewable, I think it would be an absolute disaster. I think it would be a total mistake to do this. And the reason why is because remember that one year, a couple of years ago, where we made pass interference reviewable and we yeah. thought it would solve all these problems? Mm-hmm. Well, it didn't because slowing down the play in question always makes it look like what is the textbook definition of pass interference, even if at full speed it, it didn't exactly meet that criteria. And then at the same time, the NFL showed an unwillingness to go back on its original rule. I think that's something that the officials were instructed to do, was to lean towards your original rule. So we didn't see a lot of overturned calls in that regard. Now, if we apply that, the, those same review policies to roughing the passer, it's going to be the same kind of mess, where everything slowed down is going to look like a penalty, and the NFL is, once again, in my mind, if I had to speculate, is going to be unwilling to go against itself. So basically, all we're talking about is slowing down the game to look at calls that really aren't going to change more often than not. So I'm not in favor of that. I'm not 100% sure if it's going to pass or not. I'm going to lean towards no because I think it would be a mistake. Now, as for the, the quarterback sneaks that the Eagles have become so famous with, <laughs> I actually, i got to say, I would be in favor of, of, of making that illegal. And I know that's kind of a hot take and people call me a hater and all this stuff saying that the Eagles are just so good at it, we can't stop it. It's more of a rugby play. I don't think mm-hmm. that we should be able to line up 
13 guys behind center and all of a sudden <laughs> throw his quarterback across the line of scrimmage. That's not football. I'm pretty sure that's barely that's borderline illegal. So the Eagles, you know, credit to them, right? They kind of found a roundabout way to, to make these quarterback sneaks so effective. But um, that'd be something I would be cool with taking away from the game because it quickly turns into rugby, and it's going to be hard to stop those quarterbacks on fourth and inches. Mm, great analogy there with the rugby. I definitely agree with that on both of them, actually, there with your uh, review on, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, roughing the passer. I guess lastly for me, we must talk about uh, the horrific incident there with Jalen Carter and the news coming out. Uh, and let's just stick to, you know, how do you think this impacts him? I know you're not a lawyer and everything else, but how do you think this impacts him and his, uh, maybe even his draft status uh, with this, uh, I guess, news breaking out today? Yeah, obviously this is a big deal. I mean, not one of our CBS Sports experts had Carter falling further than number four overall. So he could be, or maybe I should say could have been, the first defensive player off the board. Mm-hmm. That's kind of hard to envision happening as of now. And, I mean, he's a hell of a player. If we're making a big board, he's going to be one of those top three guys. There's no doubt about it. And we all saw how impactful he was with the Bulldogs. I think he had 15 and a half tackles for loss over the past two seasons, led one of the best defenses in college football in that category. He was going to complete interviews and his physical in Indianapolis at the Combine, but was not going to work out. And instead, of course, all that's really been put on hold. So, you know, the the investigation, and I believe the findings came from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, um, they, they claimed that Carter misled prosecutors about the accident, first claiming that he was a mile away from the accident before later acknowledging that uh, he was alongside the car that crashed. And I will say that, you know, the statement or the response that he put out was a very strong response. And um, it's something that maybe surprised me a little bit, because if this investigation is correct in its findings, um, then then obviously he didn't exactly do the right thing in that situation. So. Overall, I mean, he's still going to be a first-round pick, I would imagine, in my mind. Like you said, I'm not a lawyer, but um, I do believe that he'll probably fall a few spots because of this thing that happened. And, again, the whole situation is obviously a tragedy. It's something that shouldn't have happened, and it's even more tragic for him personally that obviously this entire thing came out uh, during the week of the NFL Combine, which is, is pretty terrible timing for him. So this will be a situation we all have our eyes on. It's unfortunately going to be a headline for the NFL Combine this week. Um, but we all know the kind of talent he possesses, and now it really comes down to what kind of player is he off the field. And the NFL teams will certainly do their due diligence when it comes to that. We know you always do your due diligence, uh, Jordan. Thanks for the time today, buddy. Uh, people need to be checking you out at Jordan DeJani on Twitter, of course, CBSSports.com with all the latest uh, from the NFL from you and your colleagues. Thank you, sir. We'll talk next week. Appreciate it, J.D. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. Yes, sir. We'll have plenty of combine performances to evaluate next week with uh, Jordan. All right, when we come back, we will play the Tim Kelly audio. He spoke in Indianapolis yesterday. He talked about the Titans offense. People are mad about what he said. Many of them will let you hear it next. Playing to make you 104.5 The Zone. So Tim Kelly is the Titans' new offensive coordinator. He was among the numbers of people who spoke yesterday. And, of course, people wanted to ask him about the Titans' offense and our man Robert Walsh, who's doing a fine job filling in for Lucas while Lucas is eating shrimp cocktail and hanging out with Buck in Indianapolis. <laughs> I saw the picture of the shrimp cocktail Buck put out that they were going to eat. Oh, did um, Tim Kelly asked about the offense being predictable. Is the Titans' offense predictable? This is what the new O.C. said. 
I wouldn't say that. I mean, I, I, I didn't think we were predictable last year. I think there are some times where, um, you know, certain games, certain things, uh, weather, um, you know, people you have available, things along those lines, uh, you know, there, there, there are a lot of elements that go into to predict, predictability or perceived predictability. Um, so I wouldn't say that we were predictable last year. No, I seem to think you were predictable. In Hunter, you one of the things he said he wanted was to be able to go into the same formation to add a different personnel, to be less predictable, not sure coming in personnel. Yeah, I think you know one one of the things that we want to do as an offense is is we want to be versatile. So whether it ends up being uh, multiple personnel groupings, uh, multiple formations, playing in multiple tempos, just doing things to try to keep people off balance. So you know that's what we're going to look to do moving forward. Um, you know we, we want to put our guys in the best position possible. You ran an awful lot on first down as well. You think there was some predictability there? Uh, I, I didn't, but um, you know again, like I said. Uh, there, there, there are a lot of things that go into into calling a game, um, and so you know, last year was last year. But moving forward, I can tell you what we're going to do and what we're going to try to do, and, and how we're going to build this offense. Part of it's weather, Blaine. Part of it is the people you have available. Well, by the end of the year, it, they they have a lot of people available, man. <laughs> they, 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 but but. It, is this the guy who's just trying not to throw somebody under the bus because they sure did say. You've spoken at length about watching the Bengals NFL films after the playoff game where they're like, uh, yeah, I knew I was going to pick that off because I knew this is exactly what they were going to do. Uh-huh. And the Bengals thought they were predictable. Yeah, that was two years ago. And then, you know, even A.J. Brown said they were predictable, being that it was a simple offense. So, um, you know, some of the things he said there were absolutely true. You know, whether I'm not going to use the weather because that, that doesn't matter to me, but it, it does matter in personnel being available. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that somewhat hamstrung them at times, uh, especially towards the end of the season. But at the end of the day, uh, you, you say, what is his motive for not saying that? That it was predictable because they were predictable. Uh, and so you say, hmm, you think he's trying to protect Downey? Hmm, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's trying to protect Downey. Why would he be? Downey's no longer here. Trying to protect oh, the oh, guy at the top. Mm-hmm. Or was he trying to protect that, you know, this is what we do, so... I can't uh, throw that person under the bus. Why? As I said during the season, Vrabel cosigns on everything that's going on. Belichickian way. Doesn't nothing go through without me saying A-OK. So Downing had the title and he was calling the plays. But rest assured, Vrabel's on that headset like, nah, bro, don't run that, run this. So he's trying to protect Vrabel because he know Vrabel was in them headsets. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he would call them plays sometimes. Uh, so I don't know which ones, but he has to co-sign on all of them. Mm-hmm. He's the head coach. And Vrabel seems like the type that he don't let you just say, all right, run the offense, and every now and then I dip in there. Mm-hmm. Nah, that ain't even his style. So uh, I think that's what he was trying to do. Uh, make sure he doesn't protect, uh, I mean, that he protects his new boss because he was – Part of, uh, you know, calling those plays to some extent on offense. So, yeah, they need to broaden their horizons on the offense. And based on what I saw at Kelly, you know, there's two years that he was calling plays. Actually, I was a little uh, impressed to say he had uh, Watson, which is easy to do uh, with a great player like that. But then he even came back and Mills improved throughout the season, became a better passer and 
like how he spread people out and move things around. So I think he's a little more deceptive and a better play caller in setting up plays on offense than Downey. Yeah. I, I think that's where Downey would, would kind of, I think those are the things that were really perturb me a little bit is you saw no setup. And then, you know, he could say, yeah, they had had good first halves and then they could never come back in the second half. Well, what, what you did in the first half should set up for the counterplay to the second half. Right. It just never worked that way. And I'm more talking about the passing game. That that doesn't mean the running game can't help be part of that. Uh, so I think he'll do a better job at that. But ultimately, the same guy is going to be on the headset. So we're going to see if that tweaks him too as well. When I say tweaks, that means he starts running some of the similar things that Downing Vrabel did. Uh, because ultimately that's your boss and you do what your boss tells you to do in coaching. Even if you believe that don't work, you got to learn how to say, okay, and do what your boss says. So you get a first down, you hear in the headset, run it. Yep. And he said, dun, 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 he run it. <laughs> he run it. Yep. He, he, he said, dang, was that, you know, the, the PA of announcer? Or was that, is that variable? Yeah. Because they was running it. So we'll see. I'm I'm trying to be uh, positive and hopefully with the change that it'll be a little bit different. But how much different, I don't know. I'm hoping it, it will be. But we shall see. Texans, Kelly was the OC for three years in Houston. They were 13 in Houston. They were 13 in yards and 14 in points in 2019. They were 13 in yards and 18th in points in 2020. And then everything fell apart in 2021. So that was yeah. just the, the, so that was Watson and Mills. went to the bottom. Kind of stayed the same, point. but Mills naturally wasn't as talented, but yeah. So I thought he, you know, they were middle of the road. Take, you know, offense. So um, how many points did they average? Do you have that pulled up to as well? I don't have the numbers. I just know where they were ranked. Yeah. So that that's not bad. I, I went back and watched some games. I, I actually was encouraged. And that one game, everybody can remember, they spread them out and they got behind. And then they just start running down up and down the field the second half versus the Titans. With Mills and Danny Amendola. Uh-huh. Yeah, we all and, remember and, that. And he was calling the plays. So, yeah, it looked, looked solid. Uh, all of our play calling is done for the day. It's time for us to get out of here. 3HL, they'll have you covered, though, the rest of this Wednesday afternoon. They'll get you home. Yeah, but in the meantime, in between time, peace. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, what, is it real? (laughs) (laughs) In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What Women Binge, wherever you listen.